for dessert. Oh, wait. I got, I got to cut you off a second. Did I see a video of you giving an RKO to a blow-up unicorn? It's a swan. Also, there was a hole in that swan, so that swan was dead to rights anyway, so I just kind of had to put it out of its misery with, a, with an out-of-nowhere RKO. You gave an RKO to an inflatable object. Yeah, off of a diving board into a pool. But also, what you didn't see is that I gave a peacock float an F5. Oh my god. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Show Viewers. This is episode four hundred and forty-four. I'm your host, Chicky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Alex. You know that song by the band Even is one kick-ass song. Venus. I remember shortly after we like put it as our intro and outro song. I went and actually bought it on Amazon.com. So love that that's our intro song and outro. You know, I'm surprised because, uh, oh, you know, let me, uh, we'll get back to that in a second. He brings you awesome every week. It's I Yield to No One. <gasps> Hi. Oh. All right. So I was getting back to it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm surprised because there's actually a couple people that have gone and did exactly what you did, bought the song and downloaded it and, you know, supported them, which is grateful because, you know, I'm very grateful that the band let us use the song. But a lot of people are surprised by the other parts of the song that you don't hear on the show. Oh, you mean the, um, oh, you like the, 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 like the, I, I don't even know, like the term musically, but in between the choruses or death, the death metal part. Yeah. Yes. Like where the, the singer is like screaming, whereas, um, yeah, it's very yelly, but then once you get to like the main, I, I'm assuming it's called the chorus. Um, she sings very clearly and very like eloquently, whereas the rest of it's kind of like that screamo heavy metal. Did you ever figure out the, the, what she actually says? Cause a lot of people are, uh. Uh, I actually went and confused. looked at the lyrics online to find out. Uh, uh, Yield, do you know the lyrics? Absolutely not. Because, <laughs> uh, well, you, you've only ever heard the intro and outro during the show, right? Correct. All right, hold on. I, I just want to make sure I actually get the lyrics Was it correct. save your last words and riddle me this? Yeah, which I thought, you know, I thought for like, or you know, any Batman fans out there that would, you know, get the riddle me this part, you know, as the Riddler from the, uh, from Batman. But we shouldn't like advertise that this song is about Batman because it clearly has no ties to Batman. Oh no, it has nothing to do with Batman, but that's one of the reasons why I picked this song is because it's, uh, cause uh, on the outro, you know, she says, save your last words and then riddle me this, you know, I always thought like save your last words because, you know, this is the end of the show. And then I always thought like the riddle me this part. People would actually like reference to Batman and be like, "Oh, well, you know, you, you know, the three hosts are you know Batman fans." And maybe, maybe sure the the Bat Child, Mister Stephen Fontana. Yeah, they. But nobody ever like messaged me and said, "Hey, uh, what 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 is actually being said?" I mean, I literally had to look up the the lyrics because I I, I couldn't. It's just one of those songs that like you think you hear one thing and then it turns out to be another thing. Yeah, but no, it's a kick ass song. So it was it was definitely a good pick for our show. Because we used to have, long before we um, 
the show was uh, cognizant of internet usage rights or like licensing when it came to music or before like they cared you guys used to do rev theory rev theory hell yeah yeah that would and i i got that song off of watching uh blue mountain state i have i do not is that a television show a movie it it was a television show that was on uh the air for four four years yeah about a football team it's 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 absolutely like college humor like Dick and fart jokes all the way through, like it's, like super it's, bad. I'd say it's actually worse than super bad. Oh, okay, wow. The sh- the the shit they got away with on that show was amazing, and ironically, that was uh, you you like watching Arrow, right? Uh, I don't watch Arrow, but I hear it's a good show. I'm, I'm not here. To, I'm not you know sitting on it, shitting on it or saying it's not. Uh, well, actually, we don't have cable, so I'm not watching anything on the CW. Uh, well, that was actually uh, a cameo. Well, not a cameo, but like a uh, a spot on a character on the show was Stephen Amell's first uh, ever TV uh, appearance. He played a, a quarterback that got uh, sidelined because he caught herpes from a prostitute. He's no James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues. Oh no! Oh no! He was he he was better than. Do you, James do you remember who the? James Vanderbeek in that movie was the backup. Do you remember who the starting quarterback was in Varsity Blues? Uh, it was Paul Walker. It was Paul Walker. Yes. Did you know that yield? No, because I didn't care to watch that. Oh, God. All right. Let's get into our updated trophy count. I am level 56 total trophies of 13,189 with 243 platinums. Hopefully I'll have my 244th next week. Alex? Last of Us? Yeah, I'm working on it. I am level 31 with a total trophy count of, get this, listen to this shit, people, you can't plan this out, 6,996, and a total platinum count of 104 in 103 games. You know, been playing Ghost of Tsushima, or Tsushima, and uh, they're, they're drip-feeding me the trophies, Tricky. I'm, I'm getting drip-fed these things. Did not come easily? I mean, it's not that they don't come easily. It's just you've seen how big the map is, right? Well, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima in a week, so. Okay, well, you got to do a lot for them. Like, the game is at minimum, like, I think 60 hours to platinum. Really? So, I mean, just look at the island, like, how big the island is, and you'll see. I will be fast traveling on this island once I unlock stuff. Well, yeah, you ha- <laughs> that's the best way to do Don't use a horse, unless, like, you're trying to uncover more areas. Or you, you know, you don't have the option to fast travel. But if you can fast travel, yeah, save yourself the time. When I'm going for, you know, the game's beat, and now it's trophy knockout time, it's fast travel. Okay, but here's, here is a very important thing about Ghost of Tsushima. You, there are basically save file bugs that can basically lock you out of the platinum, from what I've read. So keep manual saves, um, upload to the cloud if you can, but keep manual saves after almost like, you know every mission because what can happen is if you start a side mission from what i've read if you start a side mission and then go off and do something else it can lock you out of finishing missions really so if you start a mission finish that one before you start another one Uh oh i've already started a side mission and then couldn't finish it i said to heck with it and i went and did another mission uh could you still go back and finish that mission it's still on the map. Well, before you do anything else, go back and finish that side mission you started. Well, I, okay. I, I might be able to. Too many freaking archers, and I don't have enough arrows. Is it the one that uh, with Ishikawa? 
It's the one on the no. It's the one on a. It's a side mission on on a bridge. Okay, I just did one on a bridge. Is there like someone sitting in the middle of a bridge and they're shooting arrows at him? Yep. Okay, I just did that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I've only got like eight arrows. I'm like, well, I could do this. Well, there's like far more than eight guys, and there's you don't have enough arrows. I will say for a lot of those people on the bridge, uh, like underneath the bridge, it, one hit kills them. And if you go on one side, you can always climb the rocks and, you know, attack them with your sword and whatnot. But it does make it easier to have the bow. Do you also have, like, explosive arrows yet, or... No. Okay. Or incendiary arrows, fire arrows? No. I do have the ability to upgrade my bow to the next level, but I have to find, uh... Oh, wherever you gotta go to upgrade Well, you can go to any town and upgrade. Any any camp that is not under Mongol control, you can go. Whether it be the Golden Temple or Asimo Bay, you can. It'll like they'll glow gold if there are upgrades available for your weapons or for your armor or for whatever. Okay. So if you've liberated a town, which obviously you have to do for trophies, then you can go in there and, and like receive gifts and upgrade your 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 kits, as the Brits would say. All right, yield your trophy, sir. I've got one up for Alex, as I am a level 30, but a trophy count of six, six, nine, six. <laughs> and a platinum count of 110, working on 111. And Sid is level 41, total trophies of 9,862 with 171 plats. He hasn't earned a plat in a while. I think he's just taking it easy. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of him to see if uh, he'll come back and do some more Sophie's Trophies with us. So, uh, all right. So, time for our first ad. This portion of the show is brought to you by Amazon. If you could and would, please stop by Proving Gamer first and click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. Doesn't cost you anything extra and helps the site pay the bills. All right, yield. What have Still you been using playing? Still using my shitty site? audio, I see. Yeah, I just forgot to update. I'm going to actually update it as the show goes on, so it's not all going to be you. Uh, Yield, what have you been playing, sir? So, I've been playing uh, World of Warship Legends, working on my bureau, uh, some Ticket to Ride, uh, attempted to play Rocket League, and that's a different story. I'm I'm surprised that Tricky hasn't been shit-talking us. He has. You didn't see the Facebook group? I mean... I did see the Facebook group, but I, I mean, I figured he would bring it up on the show. Oh, I was planning to. Since we since we had a rough outing on our first Thursday night get together. And, uh... You mean you got your asses whipped. Okay, a lot of those were heartbreaking losses in overtime, at least two of them, and so... You know what? That's fine. That's fine. Everyone has their ups and downs. They would have been far worse if Tricky were there. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tricky, in one of those videos you posted... There was, I saw one player from the opposing team around the ball that you were trying to hit into the goal, and it was a good 20 second clip. It was a 1v1 match. That's most, that, that's most of his highlights are 1v1 matches. Mm-hmm. Because there is absolutely no way that there, that ball, there was one opponent around that ball in a good 20 to 30 second clip. I, I think actually it was a 2v2 match, and my opponent and teammate were both backed by our goal. Anyway, so well, I've been so, said World of Warships. Been playing some Ticket to Ride. Been playing Deadlight Director's Cut, and then I Saturday I fired up Ghost of Tsushima. Initial thoughts. 
I like it. I like how the combat is is easy to pick up. And they weren't joking about how, you know, I, I, I was feeling pretty good about my parry and blocking ability and using the quick, the strong, and then the hold for the stronger attack. I was feeling fairly confident with what I was doing. They're not joking where if you go in and you go after three, three, four guys, that you're going to get your butt kicked. And they're not joking. I do wish, though, there was a lock feature to where you could be like, I'm focusing on this guy. I mean, there, there I, I don't know how to do, like, um, do it completely, but I have noticed that I will focus on, like, if you press the directional pad towards, or the analog stick towards a an enemy, that it will at times focus on that enemy while there may be others around you. So there may be some sort of lock system, because um, I have noticed that I have kind of locked on enemies, but unknowingly so. I mean, maybe it's just a press of the, the direction, in, in that direction, but... Maybe I'll have to work on it some, but that's the one thing I wish sometimes is, is you might be looking straight on, but the guy to your right is the guy that's first going to attack you. But the, the key to that is, um, one of the drawbacks of a lock-on system would be, you know, it works really, it worked really well in Zelda Ocarina of Time. I don't know if it works so well in this, because there's so many enemies around you that if you lock on, you're liable to lose sight of the ones around you. Yeah, well, yeah, that could be a drawback. But... One of the keys to the combat yield is getting all the unlocking all the stances because water stance is really good against shield opponents. Yeah, um, I just I unlocked that one last night. The uh, wind stance is really good against spear opponents and axes, and then the moon stance, the final one you can unlock, is really good against heavy opponents. So you use that heavy attack, the triangle. I mean, you're still open to attack from behind you, or you know, if you mistime it, the enemy that you're going after can still do it, uh, can still attack you. But for the most part. You hit with those heavy attacks, you're doing all stun moves or all damage moves. So, like, if you are able to switch on the fly between the, the stances, that's one of the big keys to battle in, in combat, is, is learning to be quick enough with the R2 trigger and then the, the four uh, buttons, the symbol buttons. Face buttons. To be yeah. able to switch back and forth to suit whichever opponent you're going against. I was try. I had unlocked water, uh, I don't know, half hour, hour before I was done. And I was kind of starting to do that, where I was, okay, this is a shield guy, so we want to go with this stance to stagger him and break the shield, and then switch back to my, I forget what the other, your original stance is for my sword attack. Stone stance? Stone stance, yeah. So I'm, I'm enjoying the game. I would say, you know, I'm not a big samurai movie guy, but the game's really good. Oh, what did you think of the initial fight yield? Like where you're you're rushing down to the beach with all the fireballs like passing over your head as you're you're you know on horseback. I don't know. For some reason, it it didn't. I wasn't like ooh and a nod. Yeah, I wasn't in shock of it. I I was like, okay, this this is serious. But for some reason, it didn't floor me like the opening scene of. Uh, of Medal of Honor. That's fair. Uh, it was just uh, a moment for me that, like, even though I knew I was going down essentially to slaughter, I was like, it was kind of like a moment that, like, energized me. And it's like, like, it's everything just looked really, um, like, everything was just so frantic. The action was coming fast and heavy already. And I was just like, all right, my mindset is I'm going to go in and fight for my life. And, like, I think everything in that scene for me just brought together to where it pumped me up to where 
even the odds, like with the odd, knowing the odds and seeing how many Mongol ships were down there, I was like, well, I might die, but goddamn, I'm going out and taking out as many of these motherfuckers as I can. But I, I will say that the game is absolutely looks fantastic. I mean, it's like watching a movie, and I'm not joking with the way the flowers and the grass is moving and all that. It's it's really well done. One of the things that Tricky had issues with was the wind. Are you having issues with the wind and the navigation? Well, I find myself, what I've used so far is I find myself just not staying on the trails. And I find myself going as the crow flies. So I just, the wind says, go left. I'm going left. <laughs> Which works great until you're on the mountain. And then you're like, oh, can't go that way no more. Yeah, they um, also be on the lookout for yellow birds flying around because they will lead you to objectives and to secret areas. Like for the bamboo strikes and all that. I have found a couple or three. And I'm like, I know, I remember seeing from State of Play that this means something. Two of them lost me, or I lost them. The third one, I did find, uh, all pillar of something. And I got basically another, uh, sword kit, is what I got from it. Yeah, and... (laughs) One of the, the bird, I was following one of the birds and I was on the edge of a cliff and it flew down the side of the cliff and I was on my horse. And I'm like, well, guess I'm not following with that bird. Well, see mine, I did kind of the same thing, but mine went up a cliff and I was able, I, there was a way to climb the cliff right there. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I climbed the cliff, I get to the top of the cliff and the bird's gone. And I'm like, well, this sucks. Now I got to go back down the mountain because that's what I was doing to begin with. So I called for my horse and down the mountain I went. Let me ask you, one of the other things that's come up is people compare this to Infamous. You played Infamous, right? I have played all the Infamous games, yes. Does this remind you of Infamous at all? Absolutely not. Okay. This, to be honest, it's more in the vein of Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, with the collecting for your stuff, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I feel like there's less, well, I mean, I get what you're saying there, like you're collecting bamboo and yin wood and all that. More so just in the, like, relying on a horse and this just kind of the way you traverse the world and you pick up missions. It it kind of made me think of Horizon Zero Dawn in that way, but obviously they're very two different stories and two different settings, and the characters are very different. The one negative thing I have to say about this game is that the characters are a little bland, and I don't know if that's because we're dealing with samurais, and samurais, you know... They're not really over the top. They're very much to their code. And yes, we have seen Jin break his code so far, and we know he's going to break the samurai code and and move further toward being a ghost. But I just feel like the characters are just, I don't know, after playing a game like The Last of Us, where they do so well with characters, the characters in this game seem kind of like completely unmemorable. I I could see what you're saying with that. I mean, maybe we'll see more of Jin come out. I mean, yes, he's a hero, and yes, he helps everyone he can. He's just kind of this very stoic character, so it's harder to, like, I just feel like once I'm done with this game, I'm not going to, I'm going to remember the scenery and the gameplay, because I think the gameplay is a lot better than The Last of Us, but characters and story-wise, I don't feel like it, it measures up in that regard. So, there's just the characters to me, that's the one knock I have, is the characters aren't really that great. And we have, and I don't know if it's just because of the characteristics of a samurai, but we have seen that Sucker Punch can do really good characters. The, the the Cooper Gang, they were always really good characters. The enemies they fought, like the Fiendish Five and everything, they were always really good characters. The Claw Gang. 
And then the way they handled the big twist in Infamous was a great story moment. So we know they can handle great stories, but I just, I, I just finding kind of the samurai tones a little bit bland for my taste. Alrighty. But I guess you know what I've been playing now too. So yes. So I'll go, we'll go into what I've been playing, which is I'm doing my Last of Us two uh, plat run. Um, a little over halfway done. Uh, I'm taking my time because I the first time I went through, I went through for the story and whatnot. This time I'm really exploring. I'm also cheating and you know using the guide. Cheater. Which well, I mean, I did that too, and we t- we talked about this because you asked about using the accessibility options to find collectibles and stuff. And I told you it's no different than looking at a guide to tell you exactly where they are. Well, yeah, and that and that's what I'm doing. I've been uh, I've been using the guide, and you know, I've been using the accessibility options. Which I got, I got to tell you, um, if I still feel a little guilty using the uh, the accessibility options, although it doesn't make it easier to find them, uh, but using the guide itself uh, basically tells me where they are. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I feel a little weird using something that's you're not, you're not, not parking in a handicap spot, tricky. I know, but I'm using something that's not designed for me to make my experience easier. Where what I'm using is supposed to make the game easier for people that can't do it. I'm using it even though I can do it. It just I don't know. I just feel a weird, little weird doing it. I it to me personally, it just feels a little different than using the guide. I don't know. I mean, they're essentially highlighting the because the the collectibles turn blue when you're using the accessibility options, so they're much easier to see on the map. Well, actually, they turn they turn gold. You're oh, blue. they turn blue. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, enemies are red. You're blue, and they're gold. But right. I, I don't see any difference in that, in that than, you know, like to me, they're, they're, I mean, we've talked about this before, but if you pretend, like if you, tend, if you pretend and you lie about needing accessibility options in a lot of areas of life, like trying to get benefits or a closer parking spot to a building, like that is direct, like, that is like morally wrong. You should not do that. This, a video game in your own house using an option that the developers built in, which affects no one else. I, I mean, I see nothing wrong with it. Well, I mean, and it loosely, uh, if you want to like get a little technical with it, it this is loosely based on the same argument that, or not, not necessarily an argument, but a conversation we had about is it okay to use cheats in a game? And we always said that as long as you're not using the cheats on a multiplayer and you're only using it for your personal experience, then there's re- really nothing wrong with it. And I get that and I agree with it, but I don't know. I just. To me, it just, it, like I said, it just, it seems like I feel a little guilty using an option that's designed to make a game easier for somebody who can't. And even though I can, I'm still using it. I don't know. I just, it just makes me feel a little weird. Okay. Well, if you park in a handicapped spot, somebody else who really needs that cannot use it. Whereas, correct. Regardless of how many times you use the accessibility options in Last of Us Part 2, that doesn't prevent other people from using it. You also, if you're, you know, stealing benefits, pretending to, to need them, you are taking away funds and resources from other people who might need them more. That's not the same here. I, I and I get you, and I like I said, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just I don't know. I just it's my it's my own morale, I guess, or more morale now. Morality. Yeah, it's it just I just feel a little weird doing it. That's all. All right, let's move on. Uh. 
if you're looking to help support us a little bit more, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash ProvenGamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it greatly helps pay the bills and is the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much, much more. Again, that's patreon.com slash ProvenGamer. All right, so our first topic is coming from a little surprise that we got. Uh, Cuphead is now available on the PlayStation 4. There's no news on the DLC called Delicious Last Course, but in a surprising move, we got the announcement. It popped up on the, or actually, we it popped up on the PlayStation Store, and then we got the announcement. And anybody can get the uh, Cuphead now for twenty dollars US on the PSN. Are you guys any way interested in Cuphead? I, I mean, I definitely want to play it. I love the art style and how like they have the old timey music in there, and it's a challenging game. But I, I like the side scrolling aspect of it, and it looks like a lot of fun. And I'm. I very much am into, like, the anthropomorphic characters that are not human but have human qualities. And, you know, all the little cool bosses they have in there, the weird bosses that are, like, you know, kind of remind you of something like Castle Crashers, which also started on Xbox, Xbox, and then eventually, after being a Times exclusive, went over to PlayStation. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to buy it. If I had, if I didn't have, wasn't playing Ghost of Tsushima, I would definitely be buying Cuphead and playing it. You know, not now. But, you know, when we were not podcasting. And, and just so you know, this game is hard as balls because I, I actually have it for. It, it looks Xbox. like it. Just watching the trailer, I'm like, this game's going to be freaking insane. One of my uh, one of Ashley's uh, sons, one of my stepkids, he's actually gotten through the entire game. So, I mean, it may be challenging, but I figure, you know, if he could do it, then I can I could bear my head down and go at it. What, what did he play it on the Switch? Yeah. No, he played it on the Xbox. You have an Xbox in your house? Ashley bought an Xbox before we ever met, so she's had an Xbox. The things you find out about your co-host. What, I have an Xbox? Look, Tricky, we took it extremely well when you talked about playing Wait, Japanese you, graphic You have novel. an Xbox, too? I have an original Xbox, yeah. I've had it. I bought I bought that back because they had, they had also, Halo. you bought an Xbox yourself. Yeah, you've had it and returned it and had it again. So, yeah. And and then returned it again. Uh, yeah, but I did it because I'm the owner of the website. I need to be knowledgeable. I didn't do it because I wanted to play it. Oh, no, I did. Like I said, I did it for Halo, Crimson Skies, and there was another game. Anyway, there were like three games. Somebody, my buddy, knew that was selling his to get a 360, and I got his game, and I got the system and all of his games for a good price. So I'm like, sure. And it had, it, he had the games I wanted. So I'm like, I ain't even going to go out and buy them. All right, so... MDA MDHR co-founder Chad Moldenhauer said, quote, to all the impassioned PlayStation fans who have sent us messages over the years, we're excited for you to get a chance to experience Cuphead firsthand. We're also usually thankful to the wonderful team at Xbox who continue to empower us to bring our game and story to new audiences, end quote. Now, I have to say, back before Cuphead came out, I was at PAX East and I uh, ran into... Uh, and I don't remember his name, the game director for Cuphead. And I was outside smoking, you know, because we were doing the cigarette. We were having a conversation. I said, so what's the chances of this game ever coming to the PlayStation 4? He goes, zero. So now if I see that guy, I'm going to go and I'm going to yell at him. Well, I mean, I'm sure that he was kind of tied to that answer. Like, he couldn't say that. 
Oh, I know. Like, okay, and I'm saying this as a joke, obviously, but like, because I think Cuphead was a Microsoft exclusive. It was. It came out. It, it came out there in PC. I don't even think it came out on PC first. Oh, I really? The, I think the PC release came later. It was a straight I, up Microsoft. It was a straight off Microsoft exclusive. Wow. Right now, I could be wrong, and then please correct me if I'm wrong. But I do believe it came out on PC after it came out on Xbox. And then the same time it came out on PC, after it came out on Mac. And then uh, then Xbox, well, well, Microsoft and Nintendo started, you know, their collaboration and it came out to the Switch. I never thought that uh, Xbox would allow it to come to PS4. Uh, okay, there's a DLC expansion, as I said when I started this thing, called The Delicious Last Course. It's still due out to release this year after a delay, and we do not know uh, if it's coming to the PS4 or what the release date for the Xbox version will be. Uh, there's also a Cuphead show, which is a Netflix TV series, which is currently in development, and we recently got a trailer for that, so you can go look at the trailer for that. So, uh, yeah. I, like I said, I have Cuphead on the Xbox. Uh, I actually played on my PC. Uh, cause it's, you know, you can play it on the PC. I still have not beaten one level in that game. It's hard as balls. I, I like how quickly this came about. There were rumors floating around Friday, Saturday or Sunday on the internet that I saw that, Hey, Cuphead was seen on the overseas PSN markets. You know, people had a screenshot of it, and it's like, well, you, normally if someone's got a screenshot, it's probably got some legs to it. We'll probably see it in a couple of weeks. And then, so Tuesday happens, you, I checked the store every Tuesday, boom, there it was. It was like, wow, that was quick. Had, had that image not leaked, this would have been a, a huge drop. No announcement, just boom, there it is. Right, and just and to be clear, like I said this before, the game was actually in the PlayStation Store before we got an announcement that the game was on the PS4. People were downloading and playing it on the PS4 before the studio actually revealed that it is available for the PlayStation 4. Uh, and, they, and in this article coming from IGN says, uh, so far, just on Xbox, PC, and Mac, and Switch sales, it has already sold 6 million copies. Oh, it'll it'll hit that with. Well, I don't know if it. Well, it depends. People buy it twice, but I'm sure it'll make that much of a dent on the floor. I yeah. Well, I was gonna say I think it's gonna go up to at least 10 million sales. Total, absolutely. Uh, and this is one of those games where you know it's gonna have a hardest balls trophy list because you're probably gonna have to beat it on the hardest difficulty. But it's a game that you shouldn't care about the trophy list and you should just buy it anyway because it's it's got rave reviews everywhere. I and I've watched uh, uh, games done quickly. Uh, I see somebody speed run this game in forty five minutes. That's just knocking futs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he used no cheats, no glitches, no nothing, just straight through. That's still knocking futs. All right. So our next story is Ghost of Tsushima update brings new difficulty, additional additional accessibility options to the game. This article is coming from IGN and is written by Wesley LeBlanc. I wonder if he's uh, related to Joey from Friends. Is that the first Friends reference we've ever had on this show? Or the mention, first Friends mention? Uh, I don't know. You ever go to Central Park Coffee Tricky? 
Uh, you mean Central Perk? Yeah, I, I said that's what he said. Central Perk. Oh, okay. Well, he glad to glitch out on my side, so it sounded like he said essential. No, he said Central Perk. No, but I, I, I've been to the corner where their building was, even though the show was filmed out in L.A. Uh, oh, wait, there's but no, no Central Perk there. in New York. No, there's no Central Perk. Well, that is dumb. Alex feels robbed. What the fuck, friends? Come on. Um. All right, back to Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, an update for Ghost of Tsushima. It is an bring- excellent game. You should go buy it. An update for Ghost of Tsushima will bring a new lethal difficulty mode and more accessibility options for reading text and more forgiving combat intensity. This update, patch 1.05, brings a new lethal difficulty to the game and accessibilities that lower the... T- Why repeat that? The patch also brings new text changes to Ghost of Tsushima as well. Depending on when you're seeing this, the update might be already out as it went live on July 27th. Later, the patch for Ghost of Tsushima uh, saying the same thing again, the third time. Uh, the new difficulty level called Lethal, and it makes enemies more deadly. It also makes Jin's katana more deadly as well. Enemies are more aggressive in combat. They detect Jin faster, and the parry and dodge windows are tighter, quote tighter, as the patch notes reads. As far as the new accessibility options, they seem to be more focused on lowering the intensity of the game's combat. Quote, lower intensity mode is meant to maintain the heart and feel of Ghost of Tsushima combat while relaxing several timing elements. Combat is less intense, giving you more time to react, stealth settings are more forgiven, and enemies take longer to detect you, end quote. The patch notes say that the most enemy that most enemy attacks usually unblockable become blockable with lower intensity is enabled. Blocking with L1 will keep Jin safe from more attacks than standard combat, although some attacks still need to be dodged. Enemies break off their attack combos after damaging, giving you players uh, players the chance to heal up before more attacks. Heavy attacks will interrupt brutes. Excuse me. Heavy attacks will interrupt brutes when lower intensity is enabled as well. Beyond that, the enemies will not attack at all when players try to use resolve to heal and their awareness builds more slowly when Jin is trying to maintain hit remain hidden. In terms of text changes, a new large text option will also increase the size of the subtitles, missing objectives, and interact prompts by 150%. Sucker Punch also added that the option to turn the speaker's name off when the subtitles are enabled. Blue, yellow, red, and green color options have been added to the subtitles as well. While the patch is is focused on everything mentioned above, the notes indicate that it includes some bug fixes too, although those fixes aren't outlined. Gentlemen, you know, I, how I don't, do you... Some of this stuff, like the lethal difficulty sounds cool. I don't really know if I want to mess with it all that much, but as far as like the, the lower in the intensity of the, of the battles a little bit by making, you know, stealth last a little bit longer where enemies don't notice you quite as quickly you can get charms throughout the game you can earn charms and equip those that does that kind of stuff like that will give you a longer amount of time before enemies will you know notice that you're there so some of that stuff can be made easier by just playing the game and earning charms the one of the other things though like as you mentioned like just kind of the way the game is presented like the subtitles and this is not something i've mentioned but there are numerous like really cool ways that you can play the game. Like there is an old school, like film filter 
that you can choose. There's four options, I think, for presentation. One of the, like, the, the, when you first start the game, one of them is just playing through the game with, you know, English voice actors and no subtitles. But you can also play with subtitles along with the English voice acting. You can also play with subtitles with Japanese voice acting. And then there's also, uh, last but not least, a filter that, like, does a really grainy, like, old school black and white. So, I mean, they, they do have some really cool presentation options that came along with Ghost of Tsushima. Just wanted to throw that in there. Alright, one thing I wonder if you either of you gentlemen noticed before this, uh, Ghost of Tsushima's weather will change based on your playstyle. This is also coming from IGN and written by Adam Bankhurst. Ghost of Tsushima features a dynamic weather system that occurs in real time as Jin is working to save his homeland from the invading Mongols. However, it has been revealed that more storms will occur as Jin goes deeper down the ghost path. Speaking of GameSpot, Ghost of Tsushima creative director Nate Fox explained that, quote, the game is definitely scripted to provide more storms as you do things that are extremely ghost-driven, end quote. Jin begins his journey as an honorable samurai, but to defeat his enemies that threaten his home, he must walk a more dishonorable path by using stealth and striking from the shadows. Mongols face early on meant to be taken down using the skills of a samurai, but Ghost of Tsushima gradually unlocks ghost skills for you as the difficulty ramps up and naturally encourages players to embrace this different way. The weather follows Jin's, follows Jin's journey and be, begins much calmer. Yet, if the player chooses to utilize the ghost path as more the, as the game progresses, the storms will be more, become more frequent and areas will become more darker, which runs in parallel to Jin's evolution. I've definitely seen the weather change in game and particularly have like a weather, like a, a rainstorm kind of barreling down as I'm trying to, you know, complete objectives. So I have noticed the weather change. I did not know is tied to the way you play because I've mostly in most of my, when I'm using technique points to upgrade Jin and his abilities and everything and buy new abilities, I've mostly been focusing on samurai and stances. I haven't really put a lot into the ghost side of things. Although I have, I'm sure, been doing more ghost-like things like assassinating people and using stealth to my advantage. Because, I mean, when there's a camp of like 20 to 30 Mongols, you got to kind of use that stuff to your advantage. And that's that's made like a point in the game. It's like sometimes you just kind of have to act outside, act outside of the samurai code in order to, you know, stop what's happening around you. Yield? Have you noticed it at all? No, I mean, I've noticed some rain, but... I'm I'm focusing on trying to to get the uh the combat down right now. Oh, and one another tip that I can give you guys about combat, you know the options to do standoffs, right? Yes. Right. Do those every time because what that do is you can basically get a like so a standoff is essentially you have to hold down triangle and when the enemy goes to attack you, then you have to release it quick enough and time it right to where it slices them in half and you win that duel, that standoff. And then eventually, a, like, other enemies, like, or at least one other enemy will come in from the side and you will have a chance to cut down another enemy in, in, in kind of, like, slow motion. You have to time it right, so if you don't time it right and the other enemy hits you, then you basically go down, like, lose most of your health. But if you win the standoff and cut down the other enemy, too, that comes in attacks, because, like, almost always, like, another one other enemy will come in to attack you from the, off the standoff. Your resolve, which, you know, you use to help fill up your health and all this stuff, it'll fill up completely. So you can take out two enemies and get your resolve filled completely. So always do standoffs. So I, I haven't bought 
that option where a second guy rushes you and you have the ability to take him out as well. well but there's I, also an option for a third one too. Well, I, I figured that as much. So um, I had a mission when I, I came up to a Mongol-controlled crossroad town. I think it was more of a crossroad. One of my little extra objectives was to witness or uh, kind of spy on the Mongol leader. So I was able to do that. You know, I was able to get in close enough. He's over there practicing his sword, swordsmanship, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, he's over there practicing. So I sit there and I got close enough and I hit R, you know, it gave me to hit R2. So I'm sitting there observing him. Boom, that checks off my list. And then it gives me the ability to do a standoff with him. I'm like, well, heck yeah. One slice, done. You're gone. That was awesome. If you're really lucky, some of the larger enemies, the the heavies with like the like almost body size shields and the axes and stuff, they'll come in and challenge you, and you and you can cut them down in one shot. I I I just I love that. It, it like like I, somebody asked me on my friends list how the game was, and I I I kind of told them like I said at the, at the beginning of the show, the combat is is easy is easy to learn. But you're going to have to, as you get further along, different button combinations, stuff like that. But it's not, doesn't feel overbearing. But it's no joke that you can get mowed down very quickly. Like, those archers are a pain in the butt. Even though they tell you how to dodge them fairly simply, they're still annoying as heck. See, what I did for that was I just, I immediately unlocked the skill that uh, blocks, that deflects them as they get shot at me. Well, also, like, you can um, just go kill the archers first because they, they have no defenses against you. I, I try that, too. If there is an archer in the group and someone else is charging me, I'm kind of like, hold that thought. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get that guy. <laughs> yeah, and if you're in desperate need of resolve, then that's a good way to gain resolve because archers are the easiest to kill up close. You know, from far away, they're a pain in the ass. But up close, you can kill them and you can get resolve back right there. So Yeah, but they also run from you like a little bitch. Well, I would too, but either way, I still charge at them. Yeah, uh, yield. It's it's just uh, and it's an option to upgrade. It's like one of the first options you can upgrade to. I, I must have missed it then, because I definitely would have bought that one. But I'm, I'm I've I've noticed like right away. I, I'm most games. You're like you look at your first set of upgrades, and you're like, oh, that's the smart one. That's the one I'm going with. This one we'll do later. The first set of op- upgrades that I had, I'm like, I want them all. I, yeah, I, I want them all. They're all, it's like, you know, cause they're like, well, you know, adapted to your play style. And I'm like, well, I like that one. That one's good. But so is that one. So is that one. And it's like, darn it. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely put a lot of technique points into deflection because one, one of the techniques you can buy for that, if you p- perfect parry somebody, which obviously immediately breaks their, like, stuns them and breaks their, their shield, you can, I mean, it's like a one hit kill almost. The other people around you, other like soldiers, will become scared and actually run from the fight. So that's an ability you can buy too, if you if you can do perfect parries, which also give you more resolve back. All right, let's move on to our last topic, which I fully admit I put in this as a troll to yield. Oh yeah, I figured as much. See, see, if you want to not, if you want to surprise me, you don't put the whole title in there. Well, I wasn't trying to surprise you. I was just trying to troll you. <laughs> you should you should you should have just put title of game, 
gets crossover. I'd be like, oh, what's getting a crossover? Although I already saw it on uh, Twitter. So, but yeah, it, it worked. I'm, I'm annoyed. Marvel's Avengers is getting a, you want to say it yield? The crappiest game in all the land, Fortnite. Crossover to go with its upcoming beta. Announced in the War Table stream, those who finish the beta will earn a Hulk Smashers pickaxe, as well as an added style that reskins Hulk hands as gloves from Iron Man's Hulk Buster armor. The offers are only available for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. If you want to get into the beta, uh, August 7th is the PlayStation pre-order beta begins. August 14th, the Xbox and PC pre-order beta begins. And the PlayStation Open Beta begins. And on August 21st, an open beta for all platforms begins. See, I, I would... I would In Fortnite? Yes. yes. See, I would do... I would try the beta, but now, see, it, it has no benefit for me. You can play the game. You don't have to use the pickaxe. It doesn't matter. If, if you would have put something in there that I could use, I'd have been like, you know what? Gives me even more of a reason to play. No, no, but there, there are other things that you can use in the main game. They announced in the in the stream. This is just getting uh, recognition because it says Fortnite. Oh, is that what it is? See, yeah, epic there's, fail. There's other stuff for beating the beta. See, epic fail. So you should highlight that, not the crap night. Well, it's it's funny you said epic because epic is the one that makes Fortnite. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I didn't put this in the agenda, but also, uh, one of the first characters that's going to be available post launch is Hawkeye. Hawkeye! Woo -woo! Which a lot of people were questioning, like, why wasn't he in the main game? Well, that's what I was questioning, but hey, at least he's coming into the game because it's freaking Hawkeye. How long until we get a Deadpool? I, that would be amazing. All right. Uh, and I only want Deadpool if Dolan North is voicing him. What if what if what if uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds does it? No, Nolan North has the best Deadpool voice. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds did a really good job. This might be kind of showing my ignorance, but was Deadpool ever associated with the Avengers? Uh, technically, no. I mean, the closest Marvel reference I would say is he was uh, an X Man, but he really wasn't an X Man. As he was the X Force. So yeah, why would they ever add him to Avengers? Because he's an extremely popular Marvel character. Well, then why not just add Ronald McDonald and Grimace and the Hamburglar to Avengers? Well, that's the, that's what they're trying to do, even in the MCU. I I think what they do. I think what this Avengers game is is basically they're going to try to get most, if not all, of the major Marvel characters into this game. Go go to YouTube and watch, like, the, the endgame, the Avengers endgame portal scene, but there are ones on YouTube where people have added other characters from other franchises, and it's like, Avengers endgame portal scene, literally everyone is here, and it's just ridiculous, like, all the characters that people add in, like, to that. See, I'm still upset about endgame because originally... Uh, they wanted to put the Netflix Marvel characters, Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist. The Defenders. They wanted to put all, right, they wanted to put them all in Endgame, but the directors ultimately kept them out because they were afraid that people would not get the references. Because he didn't think there was enough, uh, enough uh, you know, correlation between they, the two. They were not like, part the people of the that MCU, watched though. I can understand that. Yeah, but we also got Howard the Duck references. 
How many people actually know who Howard yeah, the Duck is? Yeah, but Howard is? the Duck was introduced in an MCU movie before Endgame. Technically, he wasn't introduced. He was he made a cameo. Exactly, but he was introduced in an MCU like movie before then. Uh, Guardians of the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody knew who they were before they got their whole movie. Oh, well, you know what? I take that back. This obviously people knew who Guardians of the Galaxy was. I certainly didn't know who Guardians of the Galaxy were before they were announced as a movie. Neither did I. I don't know who the uh, is it the Immortals. Immortals. Inhumans. The Inhumans. Sorry, sorry. The Inhumans. I don't know who they are. I think I understand why people would want Jessica Jones and Daredevil, Luke Cage, and uh, Danny Rand. I can't remember his name. Iron Fist. I can understand why they would want all of them in there, but also like them having their separate seasons and then all coming together to de- for the Defenders season. I don't know. I feel like that's enough. I feel like having them in Endgame just doesn't make a ton of sense. So especially since they never showed up in the MCU, that's like saying, well, let's just throw X Men in there since the, the or. Uh, Marvel regained the rights to X-Men. And they're trying to do that, too. Like, Or the same with Fantastic Four. They're trying to do that, too. They're rebooting that again. But, no, what I, well, the news, like, the disappointment that they the, the Defenders weren't in Endgame was stemming from the fact that that was at the time when Netflix was canceling all their shows. So they're like, we want to keep going on. And there's even, uh, I, I've heard stories that they're uh, still trying to get uh, the Punisher in the MCU, they're retrying to, to get that. They're trying to uh, bring, I forget the actor's name, but the actor that played Daredevil in the Marvel series, uh, they they want to get him into the MCU. So, I mean, they're slowly working in, but the fact that they didn't want to put him in Endgame because they didn't think people would know who the hell they were, but yet we got references to Howard the Duck, which is a movie that came out when I was... In the in, 80s. You know, you, you put that reference in, but you don't put one of the... The one of the, the the five characters from what was wildly successful Netflix series into the into the movie just didn't make sense to me. I, you know, honestly, I mean, I, more so not knowing who they are. Like, I think people would know who they are because I feel like if you went to see like all the MCU MCU movies, then you would know who you know all these other characters were. But I just think introducing them in one final battle in Endgame, like, it doesn't make sense. You have to introduce them before then, like as part of the MCU. And they weren't connect in their shows. They weren't. They were connected to each other, but they were not connected to the MCU in any way. Well, why not bring people in from uh, Agents of Shield? That was directly correlated because yeah, Agents show- of Shield came around after Avengers, the original Avengers movie. Right, but the show followed the events of the movies. Okay, when, but, they, when but, Shield, but the, the, the other she, shows on Netflix were never meant to be tie-ins. They were never introduced as tie-ins, whereas Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a spin-off of the Avengers movie. Eh, I mean, all right, we'll, we're going But I mean, like, it. also, like, you look at Endgame, and you see how many characters had been introduced in the MCU and how many characters ended up in that final battle. Throwing in four more, where each character, like, for the most part, when you're talking about, like, Groot and Drax and Wong and all these characters on the Avengers side, like... Many of them only got like one moment or a couple moments in that final scene. Adding more characters in just muddies the waters even more. So I feel like the focus on MCU characters who've been introduced and we had come to know through the MCU, like I feel like that was the right call. Well, I'm not saying make make them a major character. I'm saying put them in the, there as a cameo. Have them appear in the final battle. Like you don't have to explain why they're there. They're there to defend the Earth. I mean, 
Throwing it as a cameo. Yeah, if you th- how throwing it how... because we had never seen that they had known any of these characters. Like every other character at that battle, whether they be the Ravagers, the Wakandans, the Asgardians, every single one of those people had a connection to somebody in the fight. None of the defenders did. Right, but what say Doctor Doctor Strange knew who the fuck they were and brought them along. Oh yeah, I know these guys. That would not make any sense, like thematically. Yeah, these guys are with me. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, all right, just I'll, 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 I'm gonna fully admit I'm kind of nitpicking here, but you guys remember the the, the final battle when all the portals opened no. up? No, because I haven't seen I haven't seen Endgame yet. You haven't seen? All right, well this is this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler at all. There's a scene when they all come back and all the portals open up, and Doctor Strange turns to Wong and goes, "Is that everybody?" And Wong goes, "What you wanted more?" At that point, you had the five defenders walk out. Perfect cameo. Well, also, like you could go go online to YouTube and look at how many characters from the MCU were not in this in Endgame at the final battle. Characters had been introduced through a number of the different um, IPs and series, not not including the people who died and were perma dead, but just characters who had showed up and just weren't there. I think you got to enter. You got to like put those people in before you put, you know, the defenders. But I understand why people want the defenders in there. I, I I I was really pissed when they canceled the shows. I gotta be honest. Well, that's what Netflix does. They just cancel shows all the time. I thought they did. I thought those shows were freaking phenomenal. Well, Iron Fist got like really bad reviews. Well, Iron Fist got bad reviews. The Defenders got bad reviews. But those single shot scenes that they did with uh, Daredevil and the Punisher are fucking phenomenal. Like, oh, all right, we're moving on here. We are proud supporters of Extra Life. Extra Life is a charity organization where we raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. You can make a team, join a team, or play by yourself for your local hospital. Every year, we do a 24-hour, sometimes 25-hour marathon to raise money. This year, it's November 7th. Be sure to stop by extra-life.org to check out how you can join and help out. If you want to join our team, just look for Proven Gamer when registering. Even if you join a team, you personally will still be raising money for the hospital that you choose. If you want to donate to us, go to tinyurl.com slash provengamer2020. That's tinyurl.com slash provengamer2020. And you can search for our team members there to donate to their page. Play games, heal kids. Always good to hear Big Dog Fontana's voice. All right, so for our topic of the week... uh. I, this is kind of like an, another news story, but I want to lead into another conversation with you guys, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. There's a PlayStation documentary featuring Hideo Kojima, Mark Cerny, and more announced for September. This is coming from IGN and written by Jordan Ogleman. A PlayStation documentary features, uh, like I said, those people will debut on September 7th. From Bedrooms to Billions, the PlayStation Revolution covers the story of Sony's console career from the PlayStation's launch in 1995 to the current generation. It will be available from the 7th of September to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the original console later in the month. The the documentary will see a physical release on DVD and Blu-ray and will be available on demand in iTunes, Amazon, Vimo, and more. A trailer has been released alongside the announcement to offer a glimpse of some of the talking heads attached to the project, including Hideo Kojima, Phil Harrison, Shinsei Mikakami, Fudomo Yuda, and more. 
The documentary was created by filmmakers Anthony and Nicola Caulfield, and re- responsible for the 2014 documentary From Bedrooms to Billions, which told the story of the bil- British video game industry from 1979 onwards. So that's a little bit of a news, but... I, I want to ask you guys, have you guys watched any of the documentaries, like the ones for God of War or the one they did, uh, Grounded for The Last of Us? Have you guys watched any of those documentary series? And, like, do you like them? I have not. I have not. Okay, so like, this topic of the week is not going to go the way I wanted it to. <laughs> I've watched I've watched both of them. I've watched Grounded, which uh, uh, followed Naughty Dog around the making of The Last of Us. And I also watched... Um, I think it's called Raisin Kratos, which is the documentary of they they followed around uh, the developers of God of War. I thought these uh, documentaries were actually very good and very detailed. It's 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 always nice to watch the behind the scenes of a video game getting made and like what decision they made and why they made that decision. Well, to, to be, be honest, like part of the reason I kind of I mean I, I know they they're incredibly interesting and they go in depth. And on, on some level, yes, I would like to watch them. But on another level, it's like it breaks the illusion that goes along with playing a video game and getting invested in characters. That's also why a lot of times, like if there's a voice actor, I don't want to see what that voice actor looked like because I see that voice and I attach it to a certain character and I, I don't want to actually see – because then like from now on, do I not see the character? Do I see the actor's face? For me, there's an illusion that goes along with a suspension of disbelief that goes along with video games and the characters within that. and. You know, I know they're not real, but also those are characters with that voice to me and, and the story. And this is, you know, so I'm supposed to believe that this is the actual world that I'm playing in. And I don't want to break the illusion of that by watching a documentary on it. Yield, how do you feel? Um, I kind of agree. But then on the same token, I've played several games that Nolan North has voiced. And <laughs> and that that kind of just go, goes out the window. I mean, because, cause, you know, I, you know, huge fan of Uncharted. And then I played, I'm not going to lie here, a buddy showed me uh, why Spec Ops The Line. And I played the demo, and besides the demo being phenomenal, I was like, hey, that's Nolan North. So I mainly played the game because of that, and the demo happened to be really good, but it was mainly because Nolan North was voicing a character in it. And then the game was phenomenal, and I've—it's just kind of like I—I I quickly was able to disassociate the fact that I'm listening to Nathan Drake, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes perfect sense because, like, uh, 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 when you play a game, like just just to give you guys an example, like let's use Nolan North for example. We know Nolan North did. Excuse me, Nathan Drake. As I mentioned earlier, he did the voice of Deadpool in the game. He did the prince in Prince of Persia. He did Desmond Miles in Assassin's Creed. He played the head character in Spec Ops Line. There's a lot of times you find out, like, a voice actor did a voice, and you're like, holy shit. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, and obviously you played the the uh, the first Last of Us. Did you guys know Noel North played David? What, oh, in The Last of Us? Yeah. Yeah, in the first, the first Last of Us. Yeah, I knew that even before the game came out. I see. I didn't know that. I also didn't know until like literally 
two minutes before God of War launched that Nolan North and Troy Baker also played voices in God of War. Oh, really? Now that I did not know. I thought The Last of Us was their first project together. Well, no, no, I'm t- no, no, no. Talk about the uh, 2018 version of God of War. Oh, okay. So The Last of Us may have been their first project together. Uh, yes. Well, I, actually, I don't know if, that, if they did any games prior to that. Hold on here. I will look. It I, up. I know. I know. I know. Troy Baker's first like major role was The Last of Us, but I don't know if he did like side actor voices or additional voices or whatever it's credited to. Um. But getting back to why you're looking that up, the reason I like watching these documentaries is because, you know, as the internet goes, people like to bitch and moan and complain on the internet about this, why this was done, that was done. And then when you watch the documentary and they go, well, they, like, before it even became a controversy, they talked about putting that whatever thing into the game. And, like, we wanted to put it in the game, but it just didn't work. And, you know, it really sucks. And then you you know like the future when people are bitched about and they talk and like during the documentary you learn that like they wanted to put that in the game but they couldn't for whatever reason and that's the reason like I watch like watch the documentaries and like even when I played The Last of Us Part Two I played the entire game hearing people that were bitching and complaining about things and then I went and watched the kind of funny spoiler cast where they talked to uh, Neil Druckmann Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson and you find out like. So much shit, and then uh, this next part I'm going to kind of center up a little bit because I don't want to spoil anything for Yield. Um, but they kind of funny did a, another spoil cast where they talked to another voice actor, and they talked about all the death threats she was getting, all the hate she was getting for what happened in the game. And you, you find out that like these people, like they put so much on the line to play these roles, and then you don't really see the hate and, you know, the disrespect they get for doing their job and that like that kind of stuff i'm not gonna say it intrigues me but it's kind of interesting to find out like i never knew this person got so much hate for playing this role i know they hated the character but i you you don't know the day-to-day operations of the voice actors that are getting death threats because they played this role in such video in in x video game yield did you look up the uh what games they were in together? Um, I'm still trying to find it. All right, Alex, you have anything you want to say? No, I mean, I pretty much said everything that I, I want to say. Like I said, when it comes to using real-life people and mocap in video games, I kind of just like to have that the, the voice actors separate from the characters they play in games. But if it's something like, you know, why we made the decision to put this character in Super Smash Brothers or why we made these decisions in Cuphead, I'm I'm fi- I'm kind of fine with that, but when it comes to the more real world aspect of it, I kind of like to keep the real world and the video games separate. So I kind of just like don't like na- knowing names is fine, but I don't want to know what the person looks like personally. But I mean, like as far as knowing why decisions were made in certain games, I mean that's always interesting. So like if I can any way I can keep those kind of separate, then I would gladly watch. All right, you old last last minute. Do you have anything? No. I must have, must have typed the wrong thing in the search because it's just not working. All right, well, let's remember for next week. This portion of the show is brought to you by Twitch Prime. Did you know that Amazon gives you $5 to give to your favorite streamer every month? Amazon Prime account with Twitch, you can sub to any Twitch page for free. 
You have to renew it every month. Otherwise, Amazon is just going to keep your money, though. So remember. So why not just give it to us instead? All right. So we have two questions coming from the uh, Facebook group. One of these questions I don't want to ask, but I'm going to anyway because I'm going to be a big boy. Wait a minute. Wait, the first question, do we want to save it for next week? Why would we save the first question for last week? He said, leaving a question for someone who can't answer right now. No, he uh, he messaged me and uh, asked me to, to ask you guys. Okay. Uh, Levi left a question. Uh, for some reason, he is kind of banned on Facebook right now. I don't know why. But he sent me a uh, a personal message asking me to ask you guys this question on the show. Uh, he says, what is the best decade for gaming and why was it the 90s? I have to disagree with him, and I, I will say the 80s. Okay, that's just because that, Well, because of the NES. Yeah, but the Super Nintendo was better than the NES, at least I think so. I think when you look back at the video game, uh, the game libraries and which games still hold up and are as fun to play, I think the, the SNES beats out the NES, which would go with Levi's theory that the 90s was the best decade for gaming. But then you also look at how many great games we've had on the PS4, how many great games there are on the PS3. How many you know, games, like a lot of people consider the PS2 to be the, to have the greatest software library of all time. I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick one because I think that they all were all great in their own ways. I, I wouldn't ever, you know, give up the 90s and the SNES and the Nintendo 64 and the original PlayStation, Dreamcast, you know, all that, you know. And I also wouldn't give up the, the early 2000s with the GameCube and the PS2 or, you know, now with the 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 era moving from the PS3 to the PS4, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick a, a a best gaming like era when there are so many great games in each era. But like I definitely can understand, you know, like I said with the the SNES and the the 64, the Genesis and the PS1, like why he would consider the the 90s to be the best um, period in gaming, especially when you throw in the arcade. Uh, you know, going to arcades and you know much more focus on couch co-op and couch, you know, multiplayer as than we have right now, where it's mostly online. All right. Yo, do you want to add anything? No. Uh, I see. I, I, I kind of want to agree with like the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation 2 era, but well, I, those I were think... really in the same era because didn't the PlayStation 2 come out late in the 90s, like 99? No, no, no. I'm saying I'm. No, I'm just saying I want I want to say that was the best era for gaming, but I I just think that when the PlayStation Three and the PlayStation Four came out, and I granted I know that they're uh, granted two separate decades, so to speak. Um, I I just think we kicked it up to another level of video games. I mean, I I've talked about this numerous times on the show, like the. The trick inside of Metal Gear where you had to use Controller 2 to beat Psycho Manus, like, I just think that when we got to that era of gaming, like, and I, I know that was PS1, by the way, but but, um, I just think we kicked it up another notch and we got better storytelling. I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased because, you know, my favorite game of all time is The Last of Us. That came out on the PS3. Like, I, I just think that we just kicked it to another level. And, like, I, I it's hard to say, like, was the the two thousands the the best decade, or was the two thousand tens the best decade? 
Well, it depends. Well, what are you asking for? What do you mean? What am I asking for? Where are you? Because to me, there there's a difference in what you could be or how you could be asking the question. Are you asking graphically? Are you asking games library? Are you asking storytelling? There, there, because 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 to me, I would have different different decades for different categories. Well, I mean, to me, story's always been number one to me. Like, I I don't necessarily care how a game looks. Uh, story is number one to me. Controls are a big part. I'd say that was a close number I mean, two. I think you have to go on gameplay because that's the one area, gameplay and fun factor, that the old games can hold up to new games. Because obviously, you know, I mean, music, yeah, old games can kind of hold up in that regard too because there's some really awesome chip tunes. Like, the old school Mega Man games still have some of the best soundtracks ever. Streets of Rage also has really good soundtracks. But storytelling and graphics, I mean, the old games can't compare. Well, I would you guys agree that if a game had a, a, a phenomenal story that the controls, not I'm not going to say they don't matter, but they wouldn't matter as much. Like, I, I would you guys agree that you'd rather play a game with a great story and subpar controls, or would you rather have better controls and less of a story? Uh, better story and subpar controllers. And that's where I lay, too. I don't know. I think that I would rather have you do... Each I would sacrifice like I, I I don't know because I think that what I've been playing lately in The Last of Us and Ghost Ghost of Tsushima they um they kind of fall into two things not that either one does anything badly but I think that The Last of Us the story always sticks out with that and the characters and the writing but the gameplay in Naughty Dog's games it's not top notch like it's fun but there are other like I think the gameplay that Sucker Punch does is better than what Naughty Dog does, but I think the story and characters do that Naughty Dog do are a lot better than Sucker Punch. So, like, it, it, it differs game by game. Like, I can play a really good story game and then have that kind of hold me over to where I can go play something like, say, Resogun, where there's just a lot of fun gameplay and almost no story. So I, I think that I would rather have them do stuff like be more balanced as opposed to be like, well, yeah, I always have to have really, really good story. Yes, I want really good story in video games, but I also don't neglect, neglect like the gameplay and controls aspect to, to it. And I think that in this question, there's no great answer because I think that you can make a an argument for almost any gaming Any era decade. Because yeah. they have so many good games in every single era and for every single console that it's just hard to pick one. You know, a lot of people consider 1998 to be the best game year, video, like, the best year as far as video game releases of all time. And they've considered that for a long time now. Well, actually, I think... Uh... Was it 16? Just recently, they uh, a lot of people were saying, I, I don't know if it was 2015 or 2016, they said that was the best year of, of video games. Like, the, the, the incredible games that came out that year was just, there was no comparison to any other year in video games. I don't remember what year it was. I mean, I can, I can give you games, but be, the number of games that I like, anything from Mega Man 3 to Super Punch-Out to Shadow of the Colossus to Horizon Zero Dawn, like, the, my favorite games lie over so many decades that I can't just pick one. But I think that Levi and saying the 90s, I think he can definitely make a strong argument for the 90s being the best decade. Alright, just, just all right, not to get derailed here, but I just actually looked up uh, best top 10 years in gaming history, and this uh, this is coming from Watch Mojo. 
so their top 10 years in gaming, number 10 was 2011. It says it was an important transition year for gamers in 2011. The seventh generation of gaming was winding down in order to keep gamers from losing interest in systems that had been around for half a decade. Developers took the game's content in new directions with titles like Skyrim, Portal 2, which are among the best of the era. It was also the year of the user-generated content, Little Big Planet 2, continue its predecessor's success, and Minecraft was also given a complete release that year. Taking sandbox gaming to new levels and finally a portable gaming was given a new dimension within the release of the 3DS. I'm not going to read everything here, but uh, number nine was 2004. Uh, they're saying... Wait, here, uh, how, about, how about you skip to the last like top three, maybe? All right, well, actually, let me do the top five. 1996 uh, was their number five. It was the, the arrival of this N64 along with the new PlayStation Made 1996 a year blocky-looking 3D games beca really began to have a noticeable impact on the industry with titles such as Mario 64 for the 64 and Tomb Raider for the PlayStation. In this period of change, classic 2D games like Donkey Kong Country 3 were st still frequently appeared. Survival horror hit the mainstream with Resident Evil, along with a number of amazing shooters being released on PC and arcades, notably with the return of Duke Nukem and the arrival of Metal Slug. Uh, their number four was 2013. They said 2013 was a massive year for great gamers on all fronts. The Last of Us gave us a genuine thrills and emotional hard-hitting moments. Bioshock Infinite soured the series to soared the series to high. Sorry, Grand Theft Auto V came out was the fastest-selling games of all time. Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag would make pirates cool again. The 3DS also had a stellar year with games like Fire Emblem Awaken and A Link Between Worlds. Uh, highlighting the fantastic lineup, and most importantly, we saw the that that year they saw the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One release within a week of each other, joining the Wii U to kick off the eighth generation of gaming. Uh, Twenty-seven, uh, excuse me, two thousand seven was number three. Uh, games like Bioshock, Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, The Mass Effect came out. We also got uh, the conclusion of the Halo trilogy and Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Four. Uh, the Orange Box, which featured the iconic Portal and Team Fortress 2. And Nintendo reinvented the gaming platform with Super Mario Galaxy. 1985 was their number two. Uh, they said that was the year... It was the year that saved video games just two years earlier. The industry had crashed due to oversaturation of less than amazing games. But a large number of now classic games like Super Mario Brothers brought the industry back from the brink in 85. It was also a brand new year for the PlayStation... Uh, excuse me, PC games and hardware... And with the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System and a huge number of well-made games that came out, both consoles and computers. Uh, some honorable mentions, they said, was 91, 94, 2005, and 2010. And do you guys have an idea of what Watchmoto would say was the best year in gaming for their number one? I'll give you a hint. It's the year I graduated high school. So was it 98? Yes. So I was right. 1998. Uh... <coughs> According to them, I'm going to read this. Everything seemed to go right for gamers in 1998, with almost every major company releasing a slew of iconic and influential games that still hold up today. Way to start. We got the action adventure defending, define, excuse me, the action adventure defining Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, the stealth action AAA defining Metal Gear Solid, the first person shooter defining Half Life, and the real time strategy defining StarCraft. And then there's Pokemon Red and Blue, which started the cultural phenomenon. 
We could also probably fit Spyro and Mario Party in there while we're at it. Most importantly, these are the titles that prove video games are a true modern-day entertainment alternative to films and television, one that wasn't going anywhere for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, the the 90s was definitely to, not to give Levi more credit, but the 90s was definitely that time when we moved away from the arcades and more towards the home market, and we saw the transition from 2D to 3D. So, I mean, the, the, the 90s was a big time for gaming and a big, like a big maturity moment for gaming. Now, of course, you could say the 2000s like, did that even more as far as maturity goes because we're seeing more in-depth stories, more, you know, more realistic characters, uh, more important, like, newsworthy stories, like hot-button issues are in there. So, I mean, you could say that, you know, the video game industry has progressed, like, a multitude of ways in every generation. So, I mean, again, it's it's hard to pick, but, you know. Obviously, 98 is considered a banner year for video games, which would fall into Levi's 1990s. All right, and here's the question, the second and final question, which I really don't want to ask, but I'm loyal to my fans. Corey from the Game Stuff Podcast says, since you're two-thirds of the way to episode 666, what is something you did in a video game that is just hell ticket worthy. Yield, we'll start with you. Do do what now? What if uh, because we are on episode four four four, which is two thirds of the way to six six six. Okay. He wants to know what have you done in a game that would certainly sell send you to hell. Here, uh, can I answer first? I, I, it seems like Yield needs a little bit of extra time to think about this. Go ahead, Alex. So, like, I mean, obviously, something like Grand Theft Auto. If you applied Grand Theft Auto, you probably have got a, a ticket to hell. Um, oh, I absolutely have. There's also, I mean, Yield mentioned Spec Ops The Line earlier. Now, granted, you don't have a lot of agency in Spec Ops The Line, but the terrible shit you do in that game probably sends you to hell. Um, uh, yeah. That's one game I gotta play. You've never played Spec Ops The Line? I started it, got distracted, and never went back. Dude, oh my god, the end of that game. Still, I don't know what happened. Anyway. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> uh, playing through Infamous as like the like you did the two playthroughs, the good playthrough and the bad playthrough. Basically, the bad playthrough is going to send you to hell. The last example I'll say is uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Obviously, in an apocalyptic setting with uh, a fungus that turns people into horrific monsters, you're going to have to do some shitty things to survive. And I think that playing through that game just. All those characters in that game just do such terrible things. I mean, yes, people like to focus on Joel and say whether the Joel is a real bad guy, but everybody in those games has done terrible fucking shit and is the same boat as Joel. Um, but one moment in particular, like, it, it comes up answer. with the dogs. and Oh, you're still in my answer, you son of a bitch. Well, it may, not be the, it may not be the same thing, but there was one moment when you're in Hillcrest, is one of the, the neighborhoods in Seattle. And there is a like you you know you fight your way through a bunch of WLF and adult and like a bunch of dogs, and you come to a chain link fence like you drop down and you're going towards another house and there's a chain link fence on the on the like right next to you, and there's a dog and a WLF member in there and on instinct just because I had just been attacked by so many people I shot the dog behind the chain link fence and the person, and in my second playthrough I went through and didn't do that and I found out you don't have to shoot them. They just don't ever come to you. And after looking back on the decision, like, after I did it the first time, I felt fucking terrible. I was like, wait a minute, did I have to do that? Because it was just, like, instinct. But that's that's probably the thing I'll mention besides the, ga- the yeah, others of the you, games. You definitely, you definitely stole my fucking answer. Oh, well, Killing well, those... Do- at least I'm not the only one that did that. 
Killing any dog in that game made me feel horrible. Oh, you're going to feel really bad in Ghost of Tsushima. Because the the yelp that those dogs make is like, oh. Okay, I'm not proud of this. Um, But I was low on ammo going through The Last of Us the first time. And the only thing I had was an explosive arrow. And I had to take down a dog and an enemy. It was the last thing. And obviously the dogs track you. And then like the instance that uh, Alex was just talking about. uh, I killed that dog because I didn't want it to attract attention towards me. But going back to what I did is I only had the explosive arrow. And I shot the arrow to, uh, you know, take out the enemy and the dog at the same time. And then obviously, you know, when you kill some enemies, they drop some things. So I was going to pick it up and I looked down to pick up you know, a rag or something like that, and all you saw was the, the dog in pieces, I felt so fucking bad. I was like, I'm going to hell for this. Here's a little bit more lighthearted fare before Yield answers. Uh, I bought, back in the day, I bought Clay Fighter 63 and a third for the Nintendo 64, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell for just buying that game and how terrible it was. <laughs> all right, Yield, what's your answer? So, I, I you know... I like Alex's uh, Grand Theft Auto because it was a staple for all of us, for all of my group of friends. Was once we figured it out that not only were we sleeping with the hookers, but then when they got out of the car and was walking away, we would then kill them to try to get our money back. So, <laughs> so I, th- I think that's a staple in Grand Theft Auto. So, well, I think it is too, but. Oh, and 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 I did I did not very proudly though, but uh I've told the story of I got hit behind my buddy's house back I was back backing into a parking spot and got hit and I got the ticket and was not too happy that I got the ticket, so went into my buddy's house after that all got taken care of and then proceeded to spend the next Oh, I don't know. Hour just running over every cop in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> You're going to hell for that. I, I'm sure I am. But hey, at least I have friends. All right. Uh... Be sure to follow us on all of our socials. Just look for Proving Gamer on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to also join the Trophy Horse Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash TW podcast. You could ask us a bunch of questions and comment on whatever you want just about this show. You could also send us an email at trophyhorse at provengamer.com or call us at 330-PROVEN-9. That's 330-776-8369. You can watch our videos on YouTube by doing a search for Official Proven Gamer. You could also catch us streaming at twitch.tv slash provengamer. And you can catch Tricky streaming for Extra Life every Sunday night from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash extra life for kids that's extra life the number four kids remember it's the number four not the word all right we're gonna have to update that uh thing because i don't stream for extra life anymore they changed their policies they uh they don't have uh everybody streaming for anymore so we'll have to update that all right let's close out the show with some shout outs alice your shout out sir give a shout out to the listeners the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse thank you all very much for continuing to support the show and for pushing us to even greater heights. We say it but all the time, but we mean it. You guys are the ones who create the show. I mean, we talk, but you guys are the community, and you're the ones 
who, you know, give us the feedback, give us the questions. I don't, I don't call you the fuel to the fire for nothing. You guys are a big part of the show just as much as we are. So thank you for your continued support. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield, as well as the disembodied voice of Stephen Fontana, who was with us in spirit tonight, as well as in advertising. Give a shout out to Sucker Punch for Ghost of Tsushima. Not done with it yet. I'm not even close to being done with it, but I like everything that I've seen, and it's nice to jump back into a world uh, created by Sucker Punch because I didn't necessarily play all of the infamous games. Well, I guess I played the first one, Second Son, and then um, First Blood. So I, I played a lot of them, but I didn't play all of them. But it's nice to be back in a world crafted by Sucker Punch. Also, give a shout out to my awesome and loving girlfriend, Ashley. We had a nice day at the pool today. We got some cookie dough. Had some delicious Qdoba for dinner, so I love you, honey. And uh, next week is Magic Carp Community Day, and hopefully she will finally get her shiny red Gyarados. Or I guess I just say her shiny Gyarados. Yield your shout-out, sir. So I'm going to give a shout-out to Tequila Works, uh, the makers of Deadlight. I've been playing Deadlight Director's Cut, and it is, even though it's short, it's a phenomenal game. I really like what they do with the side-scrolling, making it look 3D and everything. I also want to give a shout-out to their trophy list. Whether intentional or not, most of these trophies are song names. Well, I, w- I would assume that had to be intentional. Well, you would think so, because, like, so I was scrolling through here and I was looking at it, and all of a sudden, it, it dawned on me that, these are, that most of these are song names. So you've got under Pressure, Tainted Love, Welcome to the Jungle, Lazy In on a Sunday Afternoon, Come Sail Away, I Want It All, Jump, Another One Bites the Dust, scroll down here, Let There Be Rock. This is definitely intentional. <laughs> you would think so. Invisible Touch, Land Down Under, Never Gonna Give You Up. Holding out for a hero, wanted dead or alive, knocking on heaven's door, flirting with disaster, I ran so far away, thriller and beat it. I was like, these are phenomenal. I I still think that the best trophy name ever was the platinum for Deadpool when it says, okay, you can sell this game now. That was pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can sell this game now. So uh, I also want to second Alex to shout out the Sucker Punch. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's definitely a game that I'm. I would say just go get it. No if and no if Andrew butts. Go get it. Go buy it. Uh, shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording tonight. Shout out to uh, Alex and Homer for Rocket League. Even though I got ticked off and left early, and. Uh, a I shout out. Rage. I did. I straight up. I ain't gonna lie. I straight up gamer rage. And a shout out to, as always, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Thank you for doing everything that you do. You people are awesome. And all. Oh, and a shout out to Levi for his be legit side quests. Is his bullshit side quest? You mean? No, it's be legit side quests. You just hating because I'm ahead of you. And when. And where did this where did this mysterious point come from that you said you didn't have for this month? I I legit don't know. I was going to ask him the same thing. Because you said you didn't have anything for the month, and then I see you got a point for July. I I I I uh, be honest. I don't know where that point came okay. from. Okay. 
Maybe he's just giving me a point that I was supposed to get last month. No, maybe. Because on the last week's show, we were talking about how I was two points short. Maybe he just added that on. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but I want to give a shout out to you uh, two and Homer for streaming on Twitch, which is uh, rare for you three to get together and stream on Twitch. Uh, we do got to get you guys some uh, headsets so you can talk and there can be some actual like, commentary well, during the game. that I could use that headset you sent me. I yes, asked if we wanted to talk, and I was voted down. Well, I, we, I think we decided not the first week. Let's get this all figured out, and then next week we can we can worry about that. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to give you guys the login information for Twitch because, unfortunately, like, the program only uh, captures the highlights of the person who is streaming. Which, which, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Well, I'd like to get some highlights from from, uh, from you and some Alex because, I'm, like I said in the Facebook post, I'm still waiting for Alex to show me what he can do. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the, those first several games until I, like I said, until I rage quit, Alex was carrying the team. I ain't going to lie. Alex was the scoring machine. I had one game I posted four. I carried the team and posted four goals, and that was my game. But until then, it was Alex and Homer that were carrying the team. Well, I got to ask you guys this. Uh, what rocket level are you? I'm like on 120-something. I'm 80-something, I think, or around 80. Okay, because I literally just started playing maybe like a week ago, and I'm and I'm up to, I think it's I'm up to 42 or 43. So uh, I'm definitely getting into it. I, I, I didn't know that they had like individual challenges to to boost you up. So I'm doing all those challenges. I just don't like the fact that I got to keep changing my wheels or my goal. Uh, well, or that's that. That's for the rocket pass, Tricky. That's not. That's not for your level up. Oh no, no, that's that's what I'm talking about. What is your rocket pass level? Not not your experience level. Your actual rocket pass level. Oh, I don't know. This season, I don't know where I'm. I'm in the twenties. Uh, and because it, it resets every every rocket pass, it resets back down to one. Yeah, well, this rocket pass is good until August thirty first, so I still got a good month to to get up there. Did you buy the rocket pass? I bought the rocket pass. Oh, I have yet to do that. There's been a couple of times I almost did because the car they were giving away, and I I have yet to actually do it because I don't. The only time I really dive into Rocket League is when they have an anniversary or not just an anniversary, an event or the guys are over and we're all playing Rocket League for a while. So those are, I don't have it yet to do, to equate dropping 10 bucks on it. Yeah. But see, I like if it was $10 a month, I would have done it. But if it's $10, like every three months, I'll, I'll support the game that way. And especially since that's probably how they're going to make their money moving forward. Once they go free to play. And and you, I there there are two things that would make me really drop the ten bucks would be the car you get and then the goal that you get. Well, I I didn't really look into this, but I did notice that you get rocket points going through the pass. So is it possible that if you just complete everything during one rocket pass, the next one's free? No, you don't get enough rocket points to get it. Uh, you mean the credits that you get the the like the hundred points or whatever? Right. I don't know if you could use that towards the rocket pass. I know you can use that to buy like some of your blueprints. That's what you use to buy your blueprints. Oh, so that's okay. Maybe maybe it's 
two different types of currency then. Maybe I was a little confused. I don't know. I haven't investigated that far, but I do know that like the hundred that you get every, let's say 10 levels. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Those you use to unlock your blueprints, whether whatever blueprints that you've unlocked or crates that you had when they switched over to blueprints, which I was hoarding my crates. So I've got a bunch of blueprints. Um, you could use those to un- to purchase those blueprints. See, because I know, like I-, I know, like in your uh, your least favorite game, Rocket or Rocket League, uh, your least favorite game, Fortnite. Yes. If you buy the battle pass and you play enough, you basically get the next battle pass for free. Gotcha. I can't quote to whether that happens or not. I do know that when you scroll. If you scroll all the way to the right and look at all your prizes that you get, eventually when you get to like level 70, it's a bunch of question marks. Right. From there on up, because they don't plan on somebody getting that high. So if you do, it's kind of a random, really, really good thing. Okay. Well, I, like I said, I, I've only been playing for a week. I'm already up to 42. Now, granted, I, I don't want to sound like I'm you know bragging or anything. Granted, it's because the 16 weeks of challenges were already out. So I'm basically knocking out like three challenges a game. Well, yeah. So I, I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm much better than you, even though I am. Um, <laughs> I just want to say like, you know, I'm already up to level 42. Well, All if right, I but- had unlocked the, you know what? Uh, no, never mind. I said, like, if I unlocked the rocket pass, I'd probably be that high too, but I didn't. We'll, we'll have to see. And I'm, Planning to join you guys one Thursday night because you guys, uh, just to be clear, you guys are streaming Thursday nights at seven, right? Yes, or shortly thereafter seven, but yes, yeah. Uh, so just you know, make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, my shout outs, uh, the goddess who is currently in the kitchen cooking me dinner. It's my first home cooked meal in like two weeks because I've been working like a maniac. Uh, shout out to Sweet Mama D. Uh, Shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody. And until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. See ya. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.